0: If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and we will be in Ephesians 5 and uh, chapter, chapter 5 and chapter 6 this week. So the last two weeks, we were in Ephesians 4 and 5, and we were looking at that and uh, walking as children of light uh, or uh, instructions for Christian living, however you want to say that. Um, two weeks ago, we talked about the reality of needing to get out of the dark. And as, as followers of Jesus, we leave those ways behind us. We get out of the dark. Last week, we talked about as followers of Jesus that we walk in the light and that we have the opportunity, we get to do the things that were listed there. And there are a lot of things listed that as followers of Jesus, we get to do. For him, And uh, specifically, we looked at uh, chapter 5, verse 1, where it said, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. And so that we look at who God is, we look at his character, we look at how he uh, sent his son Jesus to love us and to die for us, and we imitate. We get to imitate God and, and live the way and try to be like him. And, and what's so cool is that in the sanctifying process, he sets us apart and he is sanctifying us to be like him. And uh, we're not there yet, but we're getting there, hopefully closer every day. So this week we're in uh, chapter 5, verse 21 through 6-9, and I'm not going to read that at this point, but we will read uh, the various sections as we walk through it. So before we jump in to each of those areas, though, I kind of have a point zero. So normally we have four points, and some could argue that, well, maybe this is just five points. Uh, Well, maybe it is just disguised as four points with a point zero. Uh, the first thing that before we get into any of it, because all of this, uh, all of this has to be looked at in the light of verse 21 in chapter 5. We can't go into any of these other roles, any of these aspects without verse 21. To me, it's the strongest one here. It's the strongest point. So it's my zero point, if, uh, if you'll be okay with that, uh, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We have to start there. I love that that's written there. I love that Paul put that there. And I love that that's the very first thing. Uh, I've mentioned this in my old NIV. That was the last thing written in, in Walking as Children of the Light. And then it, had the hus- then, it, then it said it had the heading for instructions for husbands and wives. And then it started with wives submit to your husbands. Uh, I, I, we can't start with that. You can't start with that. Uh, I don't think it's appropriate to start with that because if you have to, you have to start. Because for some reason, we like to start at the beginning of a chapter or we like to start at the beginning of a heading. When you read through the whole thing as one in one sitting, as one whole, as one letter, then verse 21 flows into and supports and is the reason for the verses that follow. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's what we have to do first. That's where our heart has to be first. If we are not willing to submit to one another, and who's a one another? Everyone, everyone, everyone. We have to be able to submit first to everyone. And so that's what we're called to do. As I've been praying about this, as I've been reading this verse, and it's not a long verse, but I've been reading and reading it. um, The thing that struck me was that Jesus submitted himself to my sin, When he went to the cross, Jesus, the God of the universe, the creator of everything who is love submitted himself to my sin when he went to the cross and not just my sin, but your sin and every person's sin that ever lived. He submitted himself to that sin. And what he asks in return to show gratefulness, to show thankfulness for that submission that he made for my sin was that now I submit to him and I submit to one another out of reverence for what he did, out of thankfulness, out of gratefulness. And so the reason we submit is not because we're supposed to be humble or we're supposed to act. It's because we are thankful and grateful for this submission that Jesus showed us in his example of going to the cross. And so that's what we do. And so as we jump into this and we look at the four different roles that I see listed here, five different roles, four, five different roles, whatever it is, we have to start with that idea that we are submit to one another out of reverence for Christ because we are thankful for what he's done for us. So I'm gonna pray for this time and I hope that you would join me Jesus, we are forever grateful and thankful for your willingness to go to the cross as our substitute so that our sins would be forgiven, so that we would be made white as snow, so that we would be holy as you are holy, so that we can be in fellowship with you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we, we thank you for your presence today. And we ask that you would open our ears to hear, open our hearts to receive. Give us boldness to then take what you have spoken to us. Give us boldness to go out and live out what your word is saying to do. Fill this place, Holy Spirit. Guide and direct our hearts, each one of us, in our own Individual situations, but also as your family, that you would direct us in the direction you would have us to go. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, the first one, we're going to jump right in. First of all, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I've I know I've used this verse before, but to me, it's one of the most powerful verses in the scriptures on how we get to live for Jesus. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Um, First point, the first role that we're going to look at is the role of the wife, and it's in verses 22 through 24. It says, wives, submit to your husbands uh, as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. This is the role of the wife in marriage. And I say that because so often I think that uh, we take this and we understand this. Am I really loud? I feel loud. Can you turn me down just a little bit? Thank you. Um, I, uh, I feel like that we sometimes take this and we see that this, says this is the role wives submit to. And we take this and uh, sometimes in our culture we then equate role of husband and wife and the wife submitting to that it equates to men and women and it doesn't this can, this is in the context of marriage and it's in your marriage and it's in the husband and wife relationships that's right there and it's important for us to remember that this is not um, this is not a male and female overarching thing this is this is the role of the wife in marriage. Uh, Peter uh, reiterates what Paul says here. And so chapter three of Peter, verses five and six says, for this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. So once again, we have Paul. If if I were living in that time, they they, they assume, they, they're they pretty sure, most people agree that this letter to the Ephesians was written somewhere around 60 AD and it was sent out and it it was circulated among the churches. First Peter was the most people would agree, was written somewhere between 63 and 65 AD and it was sent out and circulated in the churches. So if you had these two letters and they were to come around and both be there at your church and you were sitting there looking at them and you've got a letter from Paul and you've got a letter from Peter and they're both given the same instructions, do you not think that you would say, hmm, there must be something to this, right? At least that's what I would say. And I assume that I, I would think anyway that if I had gotten a letter from Paul and I was supposed to circulate it, one of us probably would have taken it and written it out so that we could have kept a copy and then sent it on. So now I've got it. I've got both copies and said, this is what it says to do. And this is Paul and Peter. I think I need to listen. But this is the role. This is the role that the wife is given. The requirement is to submit to the husband. The reason is that because the husband is the head. Uh, this is not permission for a husband to be, to be overbearing. This is, not, uh, uh, this is not because the husband gets to do anything like, like tell the wife what to do and this is how it's going to be. This is the opportunity that the husband has to lead and the wife to submit to that leading. The result, I believe, when you do this, when you submit uh, to this role, the result is true freedom, liberation, and, and the intimacy that God created us to enjoy. And that's what happens. I want to flip back real quick to Proverbs. And I have it marked here, but I think I might just uh, find it this way. Proverbs chapter 31. I believe that you're familiar with. Uh, for me, when, when I think about this, I know that some people think that submission means weakness. Uh, I disagree with that. Uh, when you flip to Proverbs 31, we have this, uh, according to this heading, the wife of noble character. It starts in verse 10. A Wife of noble character, who can find? She's worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She's like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family. She portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes covering for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. They are... Oh, I went turn the page. Don't flip to Ephesians. Um, her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes the she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instructions is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do not do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. This is, this is the role. I believe this is the role. And uh, when I read that, I don't see any weakness there. I see strength. I see strong. This is the role that the wife gets to be in, in the marriage relationship. The next role that we see is the role for husbands. Verse 25, husbands love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. The role of the husband, to me, when I read this, has much more responsibility. Peter also says in in verse 7 of chapter 3, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. We read that, I, I know, stands out, the weaker partner. I think that only has to do with our physical stature. I don't think it has to do anything with who the person is because we just read the wife of noble character and there's nothing weak there. That's pretty strong. But husbands, this is the responsibility that we are given. Husband's role is the head. And who is our pattern? Our pattern is Jesus. Our pattern is Jesus. How do we love How do we love our wives appropriately? We look to the pattern of Jesus. And what was Jesus' practice? One, we see a selfless love. We see Jesus live life with a selfless love. He gives himself up. We see Jesus live his life with a sacrificial love, ultimately sacrificing his own life to go to the cross so that we can have relationship with him. Sacrificial love. He loves us with a sanctifying love. Through the death on the cross and through our acceptance of of the salvation that he gives, we are sanctified, we are set apart, we are made holy, and in our lives, we live our lives as we live our life. Jesus, through his sanctifying love, makes us more like him. That's how Jesus loves. So if he's our pattern husbands, then we have the opportunity then to walk with our lives and point them, walk with our wives and point them towards Jesus and help them along in that sanctifying process. That is what we get to do. I I mean, I think about that and I'm like, man, that's some some, uh, responsibility. Jesus' practice also shows a satisfying love. Inside of us, all of us have that desire to be loved. And Jesus satisfies that desire for love. And we should satisfy that desire for love in our wives as well. Most importantly, Jesus showed us supreme love. And I'll say this, that our, we should have supreme love for our, for our wives. It should be the number one relationship guys that we have on earth is our relationship with our wife, period. The number one. The high majority of the time when I see marriages that are in trouble, when I see Mary's, marriages that are, are struggling, it's because the husband has put something else above his wife. Now we all know Jesus is first. We know that. I'm, I'm, I'm saying in our earthly relationships, it should be the number one priority, and whether the husband has put a, a relationship with someone else ahead of his wife or with something else, we all like sporting activities, don't we, guys? Most of us, anyway. But our number one relationship should be with our wife. It should be our supreme relationship in our, in, in our life. And we should love our wives with the supreme love because that's how Jesus loved us. The reality is is that we we should love so well, we should love so well that the thought of submission shouldn't even be a, a thought. It should just be an automatic thing because the love is being handled so well, given so freely, given so completely that it shouldn't even be a thought. At the same time, that role as the head, that responsibility as the head only happens the right way when we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The third one that we see here is the role of children. Turn over to chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Children, obey your parents. Deuteronomy chapter 5 says, Honor your father and mother as the, Lord, uh, as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Uh, one of the things that you hear about in writings or stories is uh, we go back and people looking for the fountain of youth. Uh, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? Guess what? Has anyone ever found it? It's right here. You want to live a long life? Obey your parents. There you go. Uh, every single person in this room is someone's child. We're all, we're all children. We may not all be kids. Well, some of us still. Um, we may not all be kids, but we are all someone's child. We all have parents that we still have the opportunity to obey and follow. I'm 48 years old. My dad is 20 years older than me. He's he's 69. And inevitably, whenever we get on the phone and I start sharing what's going on in my life, guess what my dad starts doing? Giving me advice. Giving me advice. You should do this. You should do this. And so what do I do? I don't respond like a teenager and sit there and say, yes, dad, I know, dad, I know, dad, yes, dad, I'm 48, dad, yes, dad. I don't do that. I just sit and listen. Thank you, dad. Thank you, dad. Hadn't thought of it like that, dad. Thank you, dad. Eventually, we get to a point where he usually says, you're a grown man. You know all this. You know all this. I said, it's still good to hear it, dad. It's still good to hear it. If only my teenage kids would do the same thing. Um, Isabel was waiting for that. She was over here laughing. She was waiting for that. Children, obey your parents. It's a command. It's, it's what we get to do. It's how we submit to one another. And, and a perfect example then of how fathers, how we submit to our kids is we don't exasperate them. Because we submit to our kids as well out of reverence for Christ. And we instruct them and we share with them. There have been... Countless times that Jessica's looked at me and says, don't exasperate. (laughs) Okay. She just laughed because she knows that one's true too. This is the role that children get to play. When I say children, that's every single one of us. Some of our parents are older. Some of our parents have already gone on. They're no longer with us, but we know them. And we know how they would respond in different situations. And even if they're not with us anymore, I'm pretty sure that we probably still hear the words that they told us since we were kids echoing in our ears and in our hearts. And we still listen and obey because that's what we're called to do. You want a long life? Here's the secret. Whenever I read this story, whenever I read this instruction I always think of a story from my senior year of high school. Um, we'd lived in North Carolina for seventh through I was in North Carolina for for my seventh grade through eleventh grade year, my twelfth grade year. We moved down to Atlanta, uh, Stockbridge, Henry County, and uh, my dad, uh, after we moved, was then gone a lot that year. And so it was, it was me, my mom, and my brother. I was seventeen. I thought I was all that. Seventeen-year-olds, you with me? Um, thought I was all that, and. Uh, I was bigger, stronger than my mom, so she's telling me what to do. I think I'm they're pretty sure there was uh, some, something she had asked me to do, and she wanted it done by a certain time. And I got it done, but I didn't get it in the timing she wanted. So I played soccer at an indoor facility down in Fayetteville, uh, Georgia, and was supposed to go down to a game. And she says, you can't use the truck tonight because you didn't get these chores done when I wanted them done. So... A discussion ensued. Um, It got a little loud at times. Um, Ultimately, I found myself at the top of the stairs, my bedroom to my right, and she was at the bottom, and I basically said, I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I can do what I want, and you can't stop me. And I went into my room. Had it been my dad, one, I probably wouldn't have said it because uh, I was not bigger and stronger. Uh, but my dad probably would have been up those steps in about two or three steps. And I would have been, found myself at the bottom of those steps. Um, but it was my mom. And she knew I was bigger and stronger and I had the high ground. Um, but she instead just walked into the living room and sat down on the couch and started praying for me. Lord, convict that boy. It did not take long. It did not take long. About 10 minutes later, I was downstairs just bawling. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. I'm so sorry. She's like, thank you for coming down. I love you. You're forgiven. You still can't take the truck. Children, obey your parents. The fourth role that I see here is the role of the employee. And it it goes into employer as well. And I say that, it says slaves. Verse 5, it says slaves. I don't understand this. I don't understand this. I don't understand why God would allow slaves. But in this culture at this time they did. I don't believe that slavery is correct. Uh, It's wrong. Uh, We should not own a human. Um, God made all of us. Uh, but this says, slaves, for me, when I'm trying to put this in context, the best context I can put it in is the people we work for and the people that work for us. And then we should submit to them. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Verse 7, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people that, that's really that's, that's how we work. That's how we should work. That's how we should live our lives. When we work, we're serving the Lord. period, not people. Verse eight, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Verse nine, and masters treat your slaves in the same way. do not th- threaten them, since you know that He who is both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Ah. Uh. When I, when I read these verses, I think some of my favorite verses over in Luke chapter 17. If you want to flip over, Luke 17 verses 7 through 10. I think of work. We're, we're called to, we, we get to work. We work a lot and we're supposed to work in the name of the Lord. And uh, we're supposed to do it as we submit. 17 verse 7. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. When we work... We are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. That's who we're called to be. That's the submission God has called us to work under. We don't look for praise. We don't do it for accolades. We do it because it's what he's called us to do. It's what he's given us to do. And we work as we're working for the Lord to honor him. On the rare occasion... I have someone out here say, hey, that was a good sermon. I liked it. Um, I, I, I don't need that. I'm, I'm not here for that. That's not why I do this. I do this because this is what, this is the role God's allowed me to be in. And I'm going to do it with all that I am and all that I can. The best way that you can show me that there was a good sermon, that the Lord spoke a good sermon through me, the best way is to put these things that he says to you into practice. That's, that's the best way. I well, was a part-time youth pastor over in Hartwell. I was part-time, so I had to work somewhere else as well. So I was hired at Walmart, and I got to be the pet department manager at Walmart, which was so much fun, especially when someone wanted a fish. The goldfish had a double tank, and they had, we had like 500 goldfish, and that little four-year-old kid would be like, I want that one. <laughs> which one, kid? It's the that is the one you pointed at, you know? Uh, I could do that job. It was a 40 hour week job. I did that from Monday through Friday, seven to four, uh, every, every week. And then I was part-time youth pastor around that. Um, it wasn't a 40 hour week job. I I did that job in about 28 hours a week, 25, 28 hours. So I had 12, 15 hours extra that I would then go find out what the other department managers needed help with and would go do that. If someone needed a TV taken out, I'd take a TV out. If someone needed a bike down from the rack, I'd get the bike down from... Them. I love the scissor lift. It was so much fun. Um, if someone needed something from the back, I'd go to the back. I just helped the people around me. I'd get my job done in about 25, 28 hours, and then I would help wherever needed help in the store. Um, at the same time, I look for opportunity to share Jesus with these folks. At that time, the popular book was The Purpose Driven Life. And uh, so I would share that and I would encourage as I got to know people and found out where they were in life. I said, hey, you should read this book. You know, hey, when you're on your break, you should read this book. Uh, Don't take it home with you because it's not paid for. It's the store's copy. Um, But you should read this book. And I had about four or five of them that were reading that book while I was there. Because I was working for the Lord, I was not working for man. That's the opportunities that we have. And then I went and worked for that church and spent time with their youth and instructed them towards Jesus. These are the roles that God has laid out and told us to submit to. My question is, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Where are you at? You can't fill all four of these roles. You fill at least one of these roles, maybe two, maybe three But where's he placed you? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you when it comes to submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ and the roles that he's placed you in? The music team's going to come. We're going to close with a song and a prayer. And I'm just going to ask you this What's God saying? Where are you at? If he's speaking to your heart, if there's been some kind of, I have not fulfilled this role well, and you need to make it right with Jesus, then I would say this, don't leave today without making it right with Jesus. Don't leave today. Our our altars are open, come and pray. Our prayer room, our elders and their, their wives are gonna be in the prayer room after the service. Go and pray. If you need someone to pray for you, they wanna pray. If you want someone to pray with you, they wanna pray with you. If you find yourself in one of these roles and you say, I am not submitting the way I'm supposed to do it today. And if you are, awesome. Ask the people that uh, you're next to, if that's true. Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for the instructions that you give us, that you've given us in your word, through Paul, through Peter, through your Holy Spirit. And Father, I, I, I pray that we will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ because, Lord, I believe that your family will look a lot more like you when we do that. Thank you, Jesus.